Praise the Lord. Whoa, it is so good to be here at Christian Embassy. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these folks in this church. You guys are amazing. We missed you so much. We were there celebrating family, but it just didn't seem complete because you're family as well. We spend more time with you guys than anybody, so we are close. We thank God for Brother Harry. I, I hear he did a tremendous job on Wednesday night and keeping the, the fire fanned, fanning the flames. Hallelujah. We want the fires to go out in California and Canada and all on the West Coast, but we want the fire of God to continue to burn throughout the land. Amen. Then Dr. East, wow, he did a great job, as always, with the passion and anointing that he comes with. What a, a blessing he is. And all of our teachers and all of our ushers and all of our greeters and everyone working in the audio and sound and all of the praise team. My goodness, you guys have got this thing. You have got it down. And I just, I love you guys. Thank you for using your gifts and for being here and supporting everything, even when we're out of town. And uh, I'm a homebody, so, I, you know, I'm home, I'm happy, and uh, I think we got one more thing we got to do before the year ends out, and I'm hoping that's about it, but I want to be here, praise the Lord, it is so good, I got in my office, and there were some spider webs in there, I said, whoa, I've been gone too long, there was spider, the spiders had time to build some webs, I got to get rid of these things, so I am back, spiders get out, in Jesus' name, Amen. And uh, it's just great. Men, please come on out on Saturday morning. And I think we moved it to what time? Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. So we moved it up an hour. So it's not eight o'clock. It's nine o'clock in the fellowship hall. Come on, men. Join us for a great time of fellowship and inspiration, encouragement. We need each other. And I hope you can come out Saturday morning. And uh, we'll get, be giving you some updates for the men's advance that is right around the corner. And we'll be giving you some more details on that finalizing some things yet even today and uh, we'll have all that update for the men so that's a big men's meeting come on out men's breakfast the breakfast the food will be amazing as always and uh, the fellowship will be great the word will be great and the updates will even be greater because we're planning on our uh, advance and we're going to Sandbridge what a beautiful place we're going to expend and we're looking forward to that so make sure you can come on out nine o'clock Saturday morning we want to pick up where we left off, if that's possible, uh, several Wednesdays ago. We've been looking at this Eagle series, and uh, I've just, uh, the Lord just have kept taking me back over and over to the Eagle, said, study the Eagle, takes me to Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31, which has to be all of our all-time favorite verses, right? Have you not known and have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? I take such comfort in that, that no matter what's coming against me, no matter what the devil has ever planned, I serve a God who will not faint and who will not become weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And this is the good news, is he's not left me out here just to depend on him, but he does something for me that I couldn't do for myself. What does he do? He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Anybody need your strength increased tonight? Just say, Lord, I thank you for it right now. Just increase my strength as you promised in your word. Even the youth shall faint. Depend on your youth and your youth will let you down. And uh, you'll be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. If you depend on your own uh, 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 strength, you're going to fall. You can't make it on your own. But God says, if you will wait on him, if you will trust in him, he shall renew your strength. 
You'll mount up with wings as eagles and you'll run and not be weary and you'll walk and not faint. Somebody needs to be able to run and not get weary and walk and not faint. And that can only be done through the Lord. So we've been looking at these aspects and characteristics of an eagle as God has used the eagle throughout the scriptures and said that uh, we can learn from his creation and what he has intended in our lives. And first thing we looked at many weeks back now was the posture of an eagle. An eagle goes to the high places. An eagle uh, builds its nest in the high places, perches in the high places. He doesn't have a low level of living. And God wants us to set our affections above, he says. Set our affections upon heaven. Set our affections upon the heavenly promises that he's made to us. That he's made us the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. That we're to take the posture as a child of God. That we are blessed coming in and blessed going out. That we've been given authority over all the power of the enemy and the enemy by no means shall harm us. That the devil is under our feet. We have to take that posture. He's under our feet. The devil wants you to think you're under his feet. But I'm telling you, you've got to take your posture and put the devil where God said he is. He's under your feet. And then we looked at the preparation of the eagle and we really looked at one of the practices that he goes through every day called preening. And we remember the big picture of the eagle says preening is not primping, you know, where he would take and run each feather through his uh, mouth, blowing hot air on it. Uh, he would also dip his beak in the oil gland that he had, a preening gland, and he would steam clean and restructure uh, those feathers in the right direction, getting any tangles or any debris out, steam cleaning them, and then uh, depositing that oil on them. And boy, we could preach on that for a hundred years, couldn't we? How the Word of God sanctifies us. How the Word of God cleanses us. How our mind is to be renewed by the Word of God and, and the good coming in so that the bad goes out. But also the oil of the Holy Spirit. The oil of the Holy Spirit. If we're going to ever fly where God wants us to go, and if we're ever going to reach those heights of an eagle that God wants us to do, we've got to do it through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We need you, Holy Spirit. We don't want to deny you. We don't want to resist you. We don't want to cause you grief. We want to say, welcome, Holy Spirit every day in our life. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that same resurrection power, He said, dwells in our mortal body to quicken us, to give us life. You have, you have resurrection power available to you by the Holy Spirit to give you life. And I'm telling you, that life, Jesus said, is to be a life more abundant. Amen. And then today we're going to look at another characteristic of an eagle, and that is their persistence. Eagles, they are not, they are not clumsy, they're not, they're not confused, they're not confounded. An eagle knows where he's going, an eagle, eagle knows how to live, an eagle knows that when storms come, that they're not going to let the storms uh, uh, get them distracted. They know their mind is already made up and they're persistent and you can watch their life and that's why they live so long, that's why they succeed in such a way. And you'll find an eagle never quits, never gives up. You know, most animals, when a big storm is coming or some uh, fire is coming or uh, earth, uh, you know, the volcano is erupting or any oh, tragedies in this world, the animals run in fear and the animals cower and the animals will go and try to hide themselves. But you're not going to ground an eagle. When a storm comes, fire comes, it doesn't really matter. Instead of hiding in fear and trying to find shelter, the eagle uses the storm uses the storm uh, to lift it above the storm. 
And I'm telling you, there's something to learn from that because there's a devil that brings storms in our life. And if we can learn to spread our wings of praise and thanksgiving in the midst of the storm and look under the things that God has for us rather than what the devil's trying to bring against us, what the devil meant for evil can get turned for good and can lift us into a higher place as, as well. And that's what the Word of God says. In James 1, 2, and 4, through 4, it says, My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. Can you imagine that? <clears throat> For you know, this is what you got to know. This is that perseverance, a made-up mind. For you know that when your faith is tested it stirs up power within you to endure all things. That when the devil is coming against you and testing your faith, that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, and it causes you to rely on the power of God which will rise up in you so that you can endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection, and that word perfection means maturity, into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. And do you know what the shalom of God is? The peace of God, He is our peace, means nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. So if you want the peace of God in your life, even when the temptations and the trials of life come against you and they test your faith, let it wake up the power of God that is in you. Hallelujah. So we've got to settle on the fact that God is good and if God is for us, who can be against us? We've got to defeat the negative mentality that leads to destruction. We've got to overcome. I'm here to tell you tonight, I've, uh, I heard Pastor Riddick, I never tell her what I'm going to preach in, but she always gets up here and tells my stuff. I said, that girl's, that girl's either close to the author of this sermon or either she's got a camera looking over my shoulder. I think she's close to the author of this sermon, which is the Holy Spirit. Amen. But she's up here talking my stuff. I said, girl, get out. That's my, that's my sermon there. Because we are under attack. We are in a warfare. And the enemy is trying everything he can to defeat us. So I want to share with you in, in these moments this evening, winning the battle of the mind. Winning the battle of the mind. Because that is right where the enemy has targeted each and every one of us. So it's so important that we understand that we're in this spiritual warfare. I know I say it often, over and over, so much that our kids, they, they sometimes say, you know, I, we were talking one day, you know, what, what comes to mind when you hear daddy? And Morgan said, John 10, 10, he, uh, the thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come to give life and life more abundant. I said, so when you hear the word daddy, you think of John 10, 10, and she just started laughing, yes, sir, I hate to tell you, but that's it. You know what? So I say it a lot, but we've got to comprehend that there's a battle going on around us. And obviously, it's not in this physical realm where we can see it. It's taking place in the spiritual realm around us. And through that, coming into our soulish realm, into our mind. I'm telling you, there is a battle for your mind. I am absolutely amazed at how many people in 2018 don't believe that there are any spirit forces working against us. It just, it just blows my mind that they just say, no, I don't believe that. 
They, they just don't believe it. Let me tell you what. There's another group that say it might be going on, but they put their head in the sand and they pretend that it's not there in hopes that it will leave them alone and go away. Let me tell you what. The devil smiles at somebody with their head in the sand because they're like, there is some chicken for dinner tonight and the devil will come and take you out. Amen. Because in 1 Peter 5 and 8, it says, be well balanced, sober-minded and vigilant. Why do you think the enemy wants you to take uh, substances that alter your mind? Why do you think he wants that? So that he can have access to your mind. Let me tell you what, you better take control over your mind and say, wait a minute, I'm going to be sober-minded and diligent, cautious at all times. Now, the Word of God is instructing us to be cautious at all times. Why? Because your enemy, the devil roams around like a lion roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize and devour. Now that's pretty descriptive, isn't it? I mean, think of those two phrases he tells us that we need to do. We need to be cautious at all times. I'm encouraging you tonight to put, a, put up a caution flag over your mind because your enemy is seeking someone to seize and to devour. And the reason he is trying to seek someone tells us that he can't just devour anyone. He's got to find somebody that's vulnerable. That's one of the reasons if you'll watch an animal planet or those channels, you'll see that the, the herds that stay together are safe. I saw a group of otters run uh, alligators or caiman out of the water. They would run uh, cougars away. The cougar was coming and, uh, and just laying on the side hoping that one of them would get distracted. And they all got together and ran up to the bank uh, and, uh, and ran this big cat off. And then there was this like an alligator, you know, caiman uh, that was in the water, huge. And he's like, no, you're not hanging out here with us. And they all got together and ran over there and ran him out, ran him off. Ran him off. But let me tell you what. You let one of those otters or you let one little deer, you let one little uh, get out of the pack. And that, they say vulnerable and they get them like that. Let me tell you what. We need each other. The devil will try to get you out of church. The devil will try to get you to break relationships with those brothers and sisters in Christ. But you see why he wants to do that? Because he is roaring and, and like, and, and, and like a fierce, hungry lion trying to find someone who's vulnerable that he can take them out. He can't devour just anyone, and we need to know that. That greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Amen. If you want to clap, clap. If you want to shout, shout. This is good news. Hallelujah. He's looking for someone who doesn't know their rights, who doesn't know their privileges that God has given them in covenant. He's looking for someone who doesn't understand the authority that we have over all the power of the enemy. And I pray that this shepherd up here, which is an under-shepherd under Jesus Christ, our great shepherd of the sheep, would teach us and lead us to the understanding of who we are in Christ Jesus. That we take the sword of the Spirit, the double-edged sword. God has spoken it, we'll speak it back, and we'll come against everything that the devil and his lies would try to bring against us. Hallelujah. I know people say, well, pastor, I know we have an enemy. I've heard all that before. But the devil, he's really busy. He's not concerned with me. You know, he's, he, the devil and I got a good... I had somebody tell me that. The devil and I, we're on a good... We got a good relationship. And I said, do what? They said, yeah, we got a good relationship. Uh, I, I, if I'll leave him alone, he'll leave me alone. So I'm an undercover Christian. I'm a closet Christian, and he don't bother me. I said, shame on you. 
The Bible says that Jesus is building a church where the gates of hell shall not prevail against the battering ram of the church that we're taking back for the enemy is stolen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They look at the devil like he's some dictator in a foreign land, you know, somebody just far, far away and he doesn't directly affect me or, you know, he's, he's worried about other things and he's not really caring about what I'm doing. I'll just keep up with the devil on the, on the, in the newspaper or online, you know. But the Bible says that our enemy, the Satan, is trying to devour you. Don't you buy that lie that he doesn't care. I want you to understand that he wants your destruction. And Jesus tells us, and the Word of God tells us, that we should be cautious at all times. Don't let down your guard. Because Satan, when you know, he can't be everywhere at all times. I understand that. But let me tell you what. When he fell, he took a third of the angelic host with him. He is commander-in-chief over those demons, and there are billions and billions and billions of demons that uh, have the strategy of the enemy to be unfolded in your life, and you have to know that. And you've got to understand what weapons he uses. How does the devil come? He doesn't come up to us uh, in the physical form and, uh, and try to fight or wrestle or do karate or shoot us with a gun, but we've got to understand that he is attacking us, and how is he attacking us and what weapons does he use? What is he fighting me with? And if you understand what someone's trying to fight you with, you can study that weapon. You can study that, that warfare and you can be equipped to fight in that battle. So while Satan can't be everywhere at all times, he's using these demons. Uh, he is uh, ubiquitous, ubiquitous uh, meaning he looks like he's everywhere at all times through these demons. But we know our God is omnipresent. He is all places at all times by His Holy Spirit. So greater again is He who is in us. We've got to understand that God is everywhere and the devil just seems like He's everywhere because He's using these demons, these spiritual entities to come against us. So we've got to understand uh, His weapons and how He tries to uh, fight against us. And one of the greatest weapons... One of the greatest weapons the enemy uses against us, he found out in order to get into our lives, get into the mix of who we are, and cause the most damage was through his lies, his deceit, and in uh, the mind games, you might would say. He comes in and attacks us between the ears. He attacks us in our mind with his lies, with his deceit, and these spiritual powers are fighting us in that way. Ephesians 6 and 12, we read about those. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. See, it's plural. These are these demons, these principalities, these, they're powers. They, they're against these rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of weakness, layers of them. There's a, you know, uh, uh, you might would say as we have levels within the military of, of authority, the same Satan has set them up in ranks and there's hosts of wickedness in these heavenly places and we're not talking about God's heaven. No demons are there. They were kicked out of God's heaven, but in this heavenly realm that is around us. So this fight that we're fighting is not against people. If you've got people in your crosshairs, if they, you can put a name to your problem, you say, this is what's got me upset. This is what's got me angry. This is what's stirring me. This is what's scaring me. This is what's put fear in me. This, this, this person. You know, I'm telling you, you've already bought into the lie. You've already bought into the lie. Because you're not fighting against uh, this flesh and blood. And Satan's got you fooled. 
It's just like you dropped all your weapons and you're looking at a person and the devil is beating the snot out of you, if I could say it that way. And uh, I know it kind of with this principalities and powers and well, spiritual hosts of wicked places and heavenly places, you know, sounds kind of like a Star Wars movie, but let me tell you what, it's reality. And I'm not saying it to scare you. I'm not saying it to put fear in you, but I'm here to uh, uh, make you alert and, and make you aware of what's going on around us. I'm here to enlighten you to the incredible importance of a standing guard over our life and not allowing the devil in in this way. The Bible basically says that Satan is like a starving lion looking for food and it just happens that you are the food for his taste and he is wanting to come after you so you got to stand cautious at all times going back to these animal planet shows and myself with some land going and watching deer and watching animals you would think oh they're carefree they they just pounce through the the fields all carefree it's not that way the least little breaking of a twig they're alert, they're ears, they're looking, they're ready to run. They're not just out there frolicking, they're not just out there enjoying. They're always on guard, always alert, because they know at any time their enemy may pounce upon them. Well, in the same way, not in fear, but with being attentive, we need to be made aware that there is a devil who is trying to bring lies into our mind. There is a devil trying to get us to believe a lie so that he can get in and mess with our head and eventually affect our body and get our soul, go, I mean our spirit man, going in the wrong direction. Paul says to another, in order to have the inheritance of God's kingdom, we got to be spirit-led. we got to walk by the spirit. But the devil's always trying to get us to walk by the flesh. And the flesh, let me tell you what, you can get that, that soul, that middle man is the one that determines we're going spirit or we're going flesh. So the devil comes into our mind, always trying to engage. But I got some good news here tonight, church. Let me tell you what. And I'm not going to dwell on the devil too much because the good news is that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus completely and totally defeated the enemy. Hallelujah. One version tells us of Colossians 2 and 15, one version says it this way, that he rendered the devil powerless he rendered him harmless concerning the way he would fight against us. And it says it this way, he spoiled principalities and powers and triumphed over them and made a show of them. said that Jesus came in and they used this picture of what would happen in the days of old when a victory was won, where the king would come riding through a parade in his chariot, dragging behind him a bound man of the king of the, of the foe that was coming against them, the conquered kingdom. And that king would be bound and pulled behind the chariot, stumbling and walking. And then they would take him to the end of the parade there. Everybody would gather around and they would cut his thumbs off and cut his toes off, big toes off. And everybody would celebrate because that king who once was a fierce foe would never lead an army again with a sword for he had no thumbs. And he never would lead running a, a, a group against him again because he didn't have the balance of those big toes. They would, they would triumph over him. That is the same exact terminology that Paul uses in Colossians 2 and 15 when he said that's what Jesus did to the devil. So the devil's had his thumbs cut off and he's had his big toes cut off. So he really can't lead a real battle to destroy you. So he's left with nothing but to lie. 
and try to deceive you so that you let your guard down rather than operate in the power and the authority that Jesus Christ has given you. Some people say this just sounds too good to be true, but I'm here to tell you that's what the gospel is. If you look at the Greek word in the uh, Greek uh, 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 language on gospel, it means it's too good to be true, but it's true. That's his definition. Something that's too good to be true, but it's true. Hallelujah. That's the gospel that we have in Jesus Christ. It's too good to be true, but it's true. Somebody say amen. But we must know the devil does not accept defeat easily. Even though Jesus has totally and completely defeated him, he can't come in and pounce on you and force anything on you. Let me tell you, he hasn't given up. He's like the snake with his head cut off. He's still squirming until his last day. So he tries to deceive us so that we will believe a lie and live out our lives according to the lie rather than the truth that gives us victory. You will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But if you believe a lie, you'll still live in bondage. Somebody may be living in bondage here tonight. It's because you're believing the lie. The enemy has deceived you, and he has come in with that, and in such a way that he, he is triumphing even though he doesn't have the right to triumph. Jesus Christ has the right to triumph in your life, so you need the truth to offset the lie. So I'm giving you the truth so that it will purge out, renew your mind to what God has said about you so that the lie is exposed and put out. Hallelujah. Boy, the devil's trying to deceive. Anybody in here can honestly say, you know what, the devil has deceived me at times. And I look back and I'm like, what? What a fool he made of me. What a fool he made of me. You know, I know probably anyone who's honest can say, man, I, I remember, I believe, maybe you're believing that lie tonight. Well, we want to get this thing turned around you. I want to challenge you according to the word of God uh, that you would stand guard over your doorway. Stand guard over your doorway. Now, I've been in ministry. Wow, Pastor Radico's family had her late, so that's why she's so young. And I can't say I'm too old because I'm married to this young girl. So let me tell you, <laughs> she's put me in a bad spot here. Okay. But I have to be truthful. I've been in ministry over 30 years and 26 of them here at Christian Embassy. But I would say that 99.9% .9 of the people that I've dealt with that had major problems we find that they originated from a lie that Satan gave them. It was a lie that they believed. It originated right there where Satan deceived them, and whether it was going into a divorce or jealousy or adultery or whatever the area of life it was, it was they believed the lie. And, and they, had they known that it was Satan playing with their mind, they could have avoided these mishaps and, uh, that, that, that was, uh, you know, the enemy was bringing against them. But what happened is they didn't stand guard. And maybe they didn't know, but God says my people perish for lack of knowledge. That's why I'm preaching here tonight. Maybe they didn't know they had to stand guard. Well, let us learn from God's Word tonight. We have to stand guard. We've got to be cautious at all times and aware how the enemy works. Second uh, Corinthians 2 and 11, Paul tells us, Don't be ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. Now, we've studied before this original word from the Greek, schemes, and it literally means don't be ignorant of the devil's mind-oriented strategy. So schemes means mind-oriented strategy. Satan's schemes is to get into your head. 
is to get into your head. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's how he's not coming at you with demons going boo. He is not coming at you with, with anything like that. He's trying to get into your head. Hebrews 12 and 3 says, For consider him, Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And if you look at that word souls, that's where the mind, the seat of the mind, our mind gets weary. Look at what Jesus has done for you so that you don't get weary. Remember that He fought the battle. He won the battle. He has given you victory. He has made you an overcomer. He has made you more than a conqueror. Unless your mind get discouraged. So you can lose the victory in your mind. We cannot have our mind become discouraged. I'm here to encourage you today with the Word of God and the truth of God because let me tell you what, the most common and easiest way to give in to the enemy is to grow weary and faint in your mind. To just quit fighting in your mind. Let me tell you, many of you today believing the promises of God, and you should, the promises of God are what? Yes and amen in Christ Jesus. It is our covenant privilege. It is our covenant Place. It is our covenant, covenant stance that we have that all the promises of God are yes and amen. And I, you're here today, you're holding on to the promises of God, you should. And you're holding on to something that God has told you, and you should. And you're believing still for loved ones to come in, and you should. And we've still got big hopes and dreams that had not yet been fulfilled that God has given to us. And you should still be uh, uh, looking with great anticipation for these. But know this. Be cautious. Stand guard. Because the enemy will bombard your mind with negative thoughts. He will bombard you with negative thoughts. And if we're not careful, it is easy to grow weary in our mind and faint. If the enemy can get you to begin to try and figure out how, how is it going to come to pass? How am I going to get this problem off of me? How am I going to get this promise done in my life and get you into human reasoning? He's already got you off track from God's supernatural path in your life. And you are on a path where you're going to faint and you're going to give in. The devil, he's been at this a long time. He's been at this a long time. He knows, but we got God's word. So we should know. We don't have to grow weary and faint. Let me tell you, God said, look at the eagle. Look at the eagle. If you will wait upon the Lord, you too shall mount up with wings as an eagle. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not faint. Let me tell you, God's plan for you is not for you to grow weary and for you not to faint. But we got to stand guard. we got to stand guard over our minds. Somebody say amen. amen. See, you know, Satan bombards our minds. I know I've talked to people, Satan bombarding their mind with suicidal thoughts. And many of them faint and give in. We were just looking at a young pastor, just as on Facebook now, a young pastor that, that the enemy came. The enemy bombarded him and bombarded him with suicidal thoughts. And now he's left these little boys and his wife and in a growing church, just broken, broken, because the enemy got him to faint and give in. It's a real tragedy. See, Satan bombards people's mind with sickness, you know. Just to, he says that's just a way of life. And many people faint and give in. Yeah, I'm getting older and supposed to get sick. Where does the Bible say that? 
He tells me that I shall renew my strength as an eagle. If you study an eagle, how an eagle goes through a period of a renewal, and he, and he loses the old, and, and, and what's replaced comes back better than the, that what was before. So he can fly faster. He can fly higher than before. You say he's older. He shouldn't be able to do that. God said he can. And God says you can. Hallelujah. I mean, Satan bombards people's mind with poverty thoughts, and a lot of gro them grow weary and faint. They say, well, my grandparents were poor. My parents were poor. I guess God wants me poor. Friends, don't you grow weary. Don't you grow weary in your mind and faint. I'm telling you, it is absolutely imperative that, if, that we are cautious every day and we stand guard over our lives every day and not allow ourselves to take hold of these negative thoughts that the devil brings our way. See, you cannot think poverty and expect to get out of debt. You cannot think depression and expect to live a life of joy. You can't expect to think sickness and have health in your life. It doesn't work that way. Proverbs 23 and 7 basically says this, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Isn't that what the Word of God says? What you're thinking about that gets down into your heart, that's going to be your reality. reality. Even the psychologists tell us that our lives move into the direction of our most dominant thoughts. If our most dominant thoughts are negative, our lives are going to move into that direction. You continually think, I can't. I'll never overcome. I'll never be able to do it. Nothing good ever happens to me. Nobody loves me. I don't have any friends. You know, you just keep thinking that becomes your dominant thought. That's where your life is going to move into. The same miserable negative direction. That's what the Word of God says, and I'm here to tell you what God says is more real than what you want to argue against God, and God says it, it's going to happen. So it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, I said it doesn't have to be that way. Hallelujah. I mean, so many people have lived this negative mindset for so long, they don't realize that their own thinking is the root cause of their problems. Now, I know it sounds kind of cruel to say that, but we got to, I mean, it's like a doctor coming to you and if you've got a splinter in the center of a big uh, pile of infection and the doctor says, ah, well, you know, it was uh, the driver that was driving across town's fault. That's them. And, and not say, wait a minute, there is a splinter in here. You know, they're blaming something else. They'll never take care of the root of the infection they got to cut into that thing and get the root of the infection out for your health. So i got to preach the truth. And the truth is that negative thinking is you listening to the enemy, giving access to the enemy, and he's bringing his destruction into your life. you gotta, you got to identify him, identify the lie, and kick out the devil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know people that if you... Like this, you give them a dozen roses and they look down the dozen roses and point out the thorn that was left on the stem. Anybody know somebody like that? Uh, somebody that, that was broke and God rained down a thousand dollars on them and they'd say, well, it's about time. I needed it last week. And here, look, you dropped it in my lap. You should have put it in the bank to catch that check before it bounces, you know, and fuss at God that way. You ever met people like that? Did you hear of the two farmers who were neighbors? There were two farmers that were neighbors. One was a very positive guy. One was a very negative guy. 
The positive farmer, I mean, it would rain. He would say, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful rain, for the great rain that is coming. I don't have to use my irrigation system, and we're going to have a great harvest because we needed the rain. But his neighbor, the negative farmer, would show up and say, what do you think about all this rain? It doesn't quit raining soon. The roots are going to rot, and we'll have no harvest this year. Then the sun comes out. And the positive farmer says, thank you, God, for the sun that's shining down on the crop, giving the nutrients and, and all that is needed with the vitamins. And we're going to have a great harvest this year. The negative farmer comes out and says, man, if this sun keeps it up, it's going to scorch all of the plants and burn up all the plants, and we'll never have a harvest this year. Just negative. Well, two day, one day these two farmers decided they're going hunting together. And they're going duck hunting. Townsend, you know, we've done some duck hunting, you know. And uh, so they went out there duck hunting. But the positive farmer went, uh, like Townsend said he's going to do, and bought him a purebred retriever. And he's got this purebred retriever, and he's so proud of him. And they're out there in the, in the edge of the, uh, the water. They're hiding all camouflaged. And here comes some ducks. Boom, boom! The ducks fell. And then uh, he looks over at this... Uh, uh, farmer, the negative farmer, and he says to him, look at what my new dog can do. And he says, go get him, boy. And the dog, I mean, had some Holy Ghost on him, started running across the water like Jesus, walking on the water. Ran out there about 50 yards and got the ducks on the water, ran back and laid the ducks at his feet and sat there ready to go again when they killed another duck. And he says, well, what do you think about that? And the negative farmer said, just what I thought, the sorry dog can't even swim. See, if you want to be negative, you'd be negative about anything. Right? I heard Joyce Meyer say one time that, you know, she was so negative, if she had two positive thoughts in a row, her mind would go into cramps. <laughs> She'd have uh, mind cramps if she had two positive thoughts coming together. Oh, please listen to what I'm saying tonight, okay? We've got to realize where the thoughts are coming from. So let's kind of wrap this up in these last few minutes with, with three PowerPoints to take home with us, three actionable uh, things that we can take home with us, things that you do when a negative thought comes your way, and believe you me, they will. And the first one is, you, and I've got them all with an R, so you can help remember them, okay. First, you've got to recognize where the thought came from. You've got to recognize. If you get a negative thought in your mind that brings fear, anxiety, or worry or causes you to be critical or sour, you got to realize that thought wasn't me, and that thought's not from the Lord, that thought's from the devil. That thought is from the devil. And if you get a thought in your mind, it upsets you and causes you to get up all tight and uptight and disturbed. And so let me tell you what, Satan's trying to infiltrate your life through your thoughts. So you got to recognize where they came from. Some of you right now, I used to do the same thing. I used to rehearse the lie. And that, boy, and I could, get, I could get worked up like I'd get worked up preaching a sermon. I'd get worked up, but it wasn't from the anointing of high. It was from anointing of the beneath, beneath okay? I'd get, I'd get angry. I'd say, mm, they should have done this. And when they had an opportunity to do good to me, they didn't do good to me. They were against me. Why in the world were they against me? And Moet, I'd get to working and matter. And I, I don't even know what, but i tell you what. You start thinking bad words, and you start thinking bad thoughts, and... Let me tell you what, you got to stand guard. You got to recognize that thought ain't from the Lord. That thought is trying to bring destruction into my life, and I'm not going to open my mind and body up to these demons of hell. So I got to recognize where, it's, where it comes from. 
The thought's not yours. It's, God. it's not the God, it's the devil. See, God speaks to you in your spirit, and then as you hear it in your spirit, you then embrace it with your mind, and you say it with your mouth, and God's word becomes reality in your life. Well, Satan's a copycat. So what he tries to do is whisper things into our spirit realm so that we hear it. Ah, they hate you. Ah, they don't love you. Ah, you never were wanted. Ah, you are, you are a bastard or whatever the devil will say into your mind. And the next thing you know, if you, if you start believing, then you start speaking it. And when you start speaking it, you're giving life to it in your body. It's just like opening up the bridge and saying, come on, demons of hell, move on in. Let's have a party. But their kind of party is not the party you want to have. I can tell you that. So you got to recognize where it came from. Secondly, you got to reject it immediately. Did I say immediately? Immediately. I want to say it fast so you get it. Immediately. Come on now. You don't play with those thoughts. You don't reason with those thoughts. you got to reject them immediately. Not five minutes, not ten minutes. Don't try to figure it out with your human reasoning. What if it's true? What if the pain is cancer? Well, just how am I going to pay for my kid's college tuition? Or whatever it is, let me tell you what, don't give it any thought. Don't give it any thought. The longer you dwell on it, that lie from the enemy, the longer you embrace it, the more likely you're going to be tricked by it. Do you hear me? He's been in this. He, it's like going to a casino. And you go into a casino and there's millions and millions and millions of dollars been invested in this beautiful building and all the uh, things that, that go with it. Who do you think paid for that? Who do you think paid for that? The numbskulls that are feeding machines and standing at tables saying, I won five, but you lost 500. Well, I, lost, I won 10, but you lost 10,000. Come on now. The house always wins. Or they wouldn't be in business. They'd be a fool. They always win. And the same is true. When you begin to, with human reasoning, try to embrace these thoughts and manage these thoughts, the devil will win. He will trick you. He will deceive you. And let me tell you what, it, it'll, he'll make, build a stronghold. He'll build a stronghold in your life where that stronghold is kind of like you know, we've got some forts all around. When we go, look back and when the, we were in a certain war, this fort was a stronghold. This fort was strategically placed at this point of, of the river or whatever it was so that it could keep the enemy out and keep the victory in. Well, Satan uses the same strategy. And he wants to get a stronghold in your life where he keeps the blessings of God out and he keeps the curses in. You can't allow, you can't afford a stronghold. Let me tell you what. And the moment you think you're going to outthink the devil when he's bringing that lie and that deceit in, he'll win every time. So you got to reject them immediately. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, as many a marriage would be saved if when the devil came in and brought a lie, that, that spouse would have said, that's a lie. That's straight from the pit of hell. I'm not believing that. I'm not receiving that. There'd be a many in life today that would still be alive where the enemy brought in a thought of disease and, 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 and destruction in a life, and they thought, oh my goodness, my mom died of this, my grandmother died of this, I heard my great-grandmother probably died of this, and I, they went up to 50, and I'm 52, so I've already got two years uh, to the plus, so I just as well go ahead and pack my bags and get ready to go. Come on now. you got to reject them immediately. 
And then the final thing, you got to replace that thought instantly with the Word of God. You can't leave that barren ground there. The enemy knows that if you even kick him out of the house, as Jesus told the story, and you keep the house empty and unoccupied, he'll go and get seven friends worse than him and move back in. You've got to fill your mind with the Word of God. Hallelujah. You've got to replace those negative thoughts with the Word of God. So it's not enough just to recognize where they come from. It's not just enough for you to reject that thought because when you reject that thought, it leaves your mind open. You've got to now fill your mind with the Word of God. Hallelujah. And I, I applaud you being here on a Wednesday night. Some people don't see the importance of coming together and hearing the preaching of the Word of God. But let me tell you what, we study the Word of God at home. We study the Word of God in our Bible studies, in our life groups. But let me tell you what, there is a, also a time where we study the Word of God in the corporate setting. And there is an exponential power that is activated through our unity of being together. And the Word of God comes forth powerfully and fills our mind uh, and gives us what we need to go forward in the week. Hallelujah. Praise God. I've talked about meditating on God's Word so many times, thinking on the goodness of God, the mercy of God. I've told you before, to meditate means to ponder on, to imagine, to picture the Word of God, to picture I'm the head and not the tail, to picture that I'm above only and not beneath, to picture that I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out, to picture that I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed to picture that. That's your covenant promise. That's your covenant position, that whatever you lay your hands on shall be blessed. You picture that, that by His stripes you are healed. You picture that, that He who was sinned, uh, He came and died so that you might be sanctified and your sins forgiven. Picture the sin gone. White as snow you have become through the blood of Jesus. Picture that. Hallelujah. Meditate on the Word of God, but meditate also means to say the same thing. You've got to say what God says. Now, why in the world as a preacher? You know, it's not fair. Can I pout for a minute? It's just not fair. That I've got to twist your arm. I've got to give you free donuts and free coffee. I've got to do something to try and convince you and beg you and plead you and, and, and win you over to go and to say what God says about you so you can have a victorious life. And the devil ain't got to do nothing, nothing for you to get a negative knot in your trousers and to go around whining and complaining and talking negative and yeah, 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 yeah. He just, just flung. Now, wait a minute. Now, something ain't right. He's trying to kill you, steal from you, destroy you, and you've just given him full access because he gave you the thought and the, it can't have power over you until you say it. So now you start saying it and you wonder why all this mess is in your life. Ah, uh, but the preacher, he's still over there. He's still, eat a donut. Here, come on, here, come coffee. Come on, here, just say something positive. Say something positive. Here, uh, I mean, we pay people's bills before, and then they go around negative. Well, you paid my house payment, but you didn't pay my car payment. Get six people over there to move somebody in 123-degree weather. It felt like it. Get them moved into a place because they couldn't afford to get somebody to move them. And then they're like, well, well you didn't put my lampshade back on right. You kind of put it on crooked, you know. It's like, how is it the negative just, ooh. And we do everything we can. To, I'm just going to get straight up with you. 
If we got donuts, it's just because we wanted donuts. If there's coffee, it's just because we wanted coffee. I ain't trying to convince nobody no more. I ain't putting a breadcrumb trail trying to lead you to it. I'm just going to get up in your face and I'm going to say, this is what God says. And you can either believe it or not or go live the life that's going to take you to the pig parlor because I know I'm, I'm going to waste my time going and getting souls saved and discipling disciples, okay? If you don't want to live by that's up between you and God and just give the devil his heyday. Was that nice? What? <laughs> she says I'm funny when I'm mad. That's like trying to spank the kids and them laughing at you. I went in there one time with the kids and I had a fly swat. I ain't never hit them with a fly swat, but I went in there and I said, if y'all did this, and I, I don't know if I'd lost some weight or something, but my pants fell down. And I'm out there, if y'all don't stop this, one, poop. And they're laughing and laughing. I had underwear on, okay. <laughs> I hope y'all ain't looking at me like that. Pastor up there with a fly swat, got the word of God. <laughs> oh, God help us. See, the best defense is a good offense. You get the Word of God in your mind, drop it down into your heart, and speak it out of your mouth with some belief in it. Let me tell you what. You will receive whatever you believe. Joshua 1 and 8, this book of the law, the Bible, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, and you will make your way prosperous. You will make your way. You will make, you will make, you will, you will, you will, you will, you will make your way prosperous. And you will have good success. Now, that's the word of God. Try to wrap this thing up. Psalms 1. I love these three verses. Oh, I love these. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits at the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he shall meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. He shall bring forth his fruit in this season. His leaf shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. Hallelujah. Friends, we're in a spiritual warfare. The enemy is coming against us. And you will never win this warfare if you can't recognize his lies, reject them immediately, and replace them with God's word. Those are three things you must do if you're going to win this battle. I know we laughed a little, and that's okay. But when all the laughing has subsided, and we know we're still in a war, we better take guard. We better take guard and guard our minds because the enemy's bringing negative thoughts. He's bringing lies. You gotta recognize them. Is there a lie you've been believing? I guarantee you, if there's a lie you've been believing, it's given access to the enemy to bring all kind of destructive works in your life. He will drive you crazy. And he doesn't care. He has no compassion. He has no sympathy. He has sympathy. He has no empathy. He does not care. Jesus said, He but comes to steal from you, to kill you, 
and to destroy you. That's all he wants. Are you going to keep believing that lie? Or are you going to reject it? Recognize where the lie came from. Recognize that thought. That is not of God. Now I want you to reject it. I want you to reject it. I want you to say, I reject that lie. I will not say that again. I will not allow my human reasoning to get me worked up on that again. It's a lie. It's a lie. And let me tell you, one of the most used lies the enemy will ever come in, he hits you where, he hits you beneath the belt. He hits you where it hurts the worst. So he usually comes in first early in our life with a lie concerning our caregivers. Because the people we're most vulnerable to growing up and the people that we have no other choice but to trust because there are guardians, whether it's parents, grandparents, or foster, or it doesn't matter where the guardians are. We're, we're dependent on them. So the enemy will start bringing lies to us very young about our parents, about our grandparents, about our guardians, because that's a very successful and we believe that lie. Now, here's the thing. Most every lie Satan ever tells has a measure of truth. Or either we would recognize it immediately. Your parents, your grandparents, your guardians were human just like you. And they made mistakes. And before you take out a hammer and nails and nail them to a tree for their mistakes... Paul says, go to a mirror and look at yourself. And if you can be held guilty for violating God in one area, you're just as guilty as they are. For we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But God says, every one of you have sinned. Every one of you fell short. Every one of you deserve death. The wages of sin is death. And I should send every one of you to hell. So, but I love you. So I'm going to give you something you didn't deserve. I'm going to give you forgiveness. I'm not going to hold you guilty for what you have done. If you will place your faith in my son Jesus. But he says, I'm so serious about this forgiveness thing. Jesus says, if you fail to forgive the one who has offended you, my Father will fail to forgive you. You can look at the cross. You can take communion. You can say the name of Jesus. You can shout and dance, raise your hand. You can look like the most spiritual person on planet Earth. But if you hold unforgiveness, you've held yourself in a place where God can't forgive you. So you have to think, is the lie that Satan's telling me that has a salting of truth to it about whoever, is it worth letting it work me up to the place that I want to crucify, hurt, whatever that person? Is it worth it for me to damn my own soul to hell? How sad it would be to go to church your whole life and wake up in hell. How sad would it be to have a Bible laid by your bedside every night and wake up in hell? 
How sad would it be that you were the biggest giver in the church that helped build uh, and orphanages across the world and won tens of millions of people to Christ, but yet woke up in hell? That's what unforgiveness will do. What lie are you believing? Recognize it. Reject it. Reject it. I can't reject it for you. You got to say, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not living with this anymore. It's gone. It's got to go. It's got to go. But now you better replace it with the Word of God. If that's a lie about your sickness and disease and you're always going to have a spirit of infirmity on your life and you reject it, you better start taking in every scripture you can that by His stripes I am healed, that God sent His Word and healed all of our diseases, that they looked up at the serpent that was lifted up on the pole and when they looked, they could live. And I got to look to the cross where the curse was taken off of me, off of me so that I, a Gentile, might have the blessing of Abraham. I'm saying you got to replace it. You got to replace it. And you will find that old Arthur will move out. Old Arthur will move out. Arthur said, I had access here because you believe the lie that just because you're getting old, your joints are not created by your God to be old. God says, I said that even though you're old, you'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not faint. They that wait upon me, there's renewal. There's renewal. Hallelujah. Recognize where the, the lie came from. Reject it place it with God's word will you commit to do that between you and God would you stand hallelujah Lord God we just stand in your presence tonight and Lord God I know that while the time is moving quickly in here what is taking place in our minds and our hearts and our spirit and our soul and our lives is of eternity eternal value so Lord God if there's anyone here tonight who can recognize a lie that they've been believing and they want to take the next step and reject it right now reject it I want them to bring it to this altar Lord I, we're not playing God we're not playing we ain't going out here the same way you came in we're not taking home what we brought in this place if there's been a lie whether it's been about our appearance whether it's been about our health whether it's been about our wealth whether it's been about who we are whether it's been about our parents whether it's been about a guardian whether it's been about our children whether it's been whatever it's been about we're not gonna we're not gonna believe it anymore we're gonna reject it I want you to just bring it down this altar I want you to bring it down this altar. I'm bringing it down here and I'm leaving it on this altar God I'm I'm giving it to you I am not taking this thing home with me I recognize it is a lie from the enemy and now I'm rejecting it I am rejecting it and I'm casting it on this altar Lord for you to take care of it for you Jesus you came to defeat the enemy so I'm giving it to you I'm not carrying it with me and that lie that caused me to hold unforgiveness and that lie that stirred up anger and that lie that caused me to build a case in my mind against whatever or whoever I'm letting them go as well I'm letting them go I am forgiving them right now and I'm telling you God they may have been wrong they may have been totally wrong but it ain't worth what they did years ago to destroy my life today I'm letting it go I'm putting it on this altar it may have been a husband it may have been a wife it may have been your kids it may have been stepkids or it may have been in-laws it may have been your parents it may have been grandparents it may be yourself maybe you're the one but I'm telling you what you got to forgive yourself you got to forgive yourself you just got to say as God has forgiven me so I forgive whoever it is release them I release myself I release my my that 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 uh, ex I release my parents I release that employer I re release that employee I release that student I re whoever it release them release them I recognize the lie I reject it in the name of Jesus
And now I want you to begin to replace it with the Word of God. And you can replace it first and foremost with this. For God, you so love me that you gave your only begotten Son, Jesus, that if I would put my faith and believe in you, that I don't have to perish, but I can have this blessed life. I can live this eternal life. So Jesus, Jesus, you loved me and gave your life for me. Father God, you loved me and gave your Son for me, your only begotten. I am loved. I want you to begin to replace it with that right there. John 3, 16, I replace it with that right there. I replace it with the Word of God. I am loved. I am so valuable that God gave His Son to die for me. That if I were the only person on planet Earth, that God loved me so much that He gave His only begotten Son to die for me. I am treasured. I am loved. God has a plan for me. That while I was in my mother's womb, even if my mother did not want me, while I was in my mother's womb, God, You formed me. You fashioned me. You have a plan and a destiny for me. Hallelujah. Lord, just replace it with the Word of God. Replace the lie with the truth of God's Word that God says you are the head and not the tail. That God says you are above only and not beneath. That God says that He took the curse off of you so that He could get the blessing on you. Hallelujah. That you are the favored of God. The Word of God says that God loves you so much He's etched you in the palm of His hand. The Bible says that God loves you so much He dances over you. He has a party over you. Hallelujah. He loves you. He needs you in 2018. You have gifts and you have talents. Others may say, I was a lie from Satan that said it was you're quirky. But let me tell you what God said. That ain't quirky. That is divine. You have your personality. You have your sense of humor. You have your DNA created by me, God says, because I need you in 2018. I don't need you to be like somebody else. I need you to be like the original I created you to be. And you just go ahead and fill your mind. Fill your mind with the Word of God. Let the Word of God say who you are. That you're the redeemed of the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You need to say so. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I've been repurchased. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am His and He is mine. And greater is He who is in me than He was in the world. He's made me more than a conqueror. He's made me more than an overcomer. He's made me to come out a victor in all cases at all times for His glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, God. We praise you, God. We recognize the lie. We reject it and lay it on this altar. And now we take your word. We take your word. Hallelujah. Let your word be the helmet of salvation about our mind to make us whole. Thank you, Jesus. As we go into this day, as we go into the remainder of our life, freed up from all this deceit and all these lies, freed up to be victorious in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.